Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton, and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. Today, I'm just really, really happy to have Dr. Tisha Carter here. Tisha is the head of our residency program at our church, and she also is an adjunct professor at Crown University. So, Tisha, welcome. Tell us a little bit about you, and then we will talk about our topic. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I totally hate talking about myself. This is a good thing. That's one of the reasons I like you. (laughs) Well, as Jamie said, I am the director of the residency program at Grace Church, and I also am an adjunct professor at Crown College. I'm a mom of one son who is here in the studio silently behind us. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about myself. You're one of my dear friends. Yes, and I always enjoy our conversations we have over coffee at my house, and so I thought we could do this here yes. and uh, and put it out for others to hear as well, and then they can have their own comments about it. <laughs> but what we decided to talk about today is something that I think we uh, really don't do really well in, yeah. in the United States, and that is... It, being able to grow and learn from our pain and suffering and really to do uh, suffering well. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world that so uh, embraces the search for happiness. In fact, I've said before that the one thing I hear the most in my office when somebody is getting ready to do something really stupid that's going to hurt themselves and others is they'll say, I'm just not happy. And we use not being happy as an excuse for whatever it is we want to do, because we think we have a right to be happy all the time. Yeah. And it's it's a very, uh, very difficult kind of a thing when life doesn't come in happy all the time, which it never does. Also, you know, just life is not a mental illness. We also see people who are sad or unhappy or tearful as being sick. Yes, yes. And I think that... Happiness is subjective, like what one person may think is happy, happiness and another person may not. I also think that it's this philosophical construct of of being. (laughs) Um, We understand it, happiness to be like a good meal or a sunny day or, but it isn't like something tangible if that makes sense, that we can definitively say happiness is this. Mm -hmm. So I think when we're thinking about suffering, um, like for me, like suffering is inevitable. It's a part of life. Where happiness is not. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Happiness is situational. Yes. It's experiential. Yes. And and it is personal in what people are going to have. Joy, however, is... Something we can have all the time. Yes. Because joy is basically the assurance of God's presence in all things. Mm-hmm. And it's, to me, experientially, it is the experience of God smiling at you with a twinkle in his eye. So, you know, that makes you feel warm when you really can rest in that. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, the ability to experience joy in the midst of suffering is something that Paul talks about in Scripture yes. that he could sing in prison because of the, he had the joy of the Lord with him. And so I think when we look at what happens to us in 
pain and suffering, we we tend to, uh, when someone is crying, we say, what's wrong? Yes. And sometimes I want to say, thank goodness you're crying. You've been sitting on that stuff for like 40 <laughs> years. Maybe now we can talk about it. But we're made to feel bad when we're crying. Exactly. We're made to feel like we're not allowed to cry. We're made to feel like it's like unacceptable. It's weak. Especially if you're a guy. Yeah, but even females, mm -hmm. especially being a, a black female, an African-American female, we're always portrayed to be these very strong pillars um, and that crying is not welcomed, nor is it acceptable. Um, I remember being told a lot of times, like, don't cry, don't let them see your weakness. And I'm like, I'm just showing that I'm human. And what mm. just happened to me was hurtful. And I need to release it in a healthy manner. And tears is a way of releasing that in a healthy manner i also think that joy is a per perspective choice whereas happiness happens to you you mm. can choose joy and in suffering you can choose joy to suffer well but that's I a good point i haven't <laughs> heard it expressed exactly like that before i really like that it's really good yeah, I just think about the times that, like, say, to, to give, like, a general example, say you have a bad day. You can choose to be in a bad mood because you have a bad day, or you can choose to see the growth opportunity that happened from that bad day. You can choose to see... Um, <clears throat> how important that experience will be in the long term. You can even see how that may have been a growth opportunity for the person that caused you to have a bad day or the bad experience that caused you to have a bad day. It could also be an opportunity to share something good or something joyful with a person um, during a, an during ha or I guess when you're having a bad day. So I, th I always feel like we choose to be joyful. Choices, uh, over and over again, comes back to the very essence of being a human being is, is we have the ability to choose. We don't yeah. have the ability to choose what happens to us. Yes. But we do have the ability to choose how we respond to what happens yes. to us. Yes. And there's basically two roads we can go. We can go on, a, on the high road, which is to... Well, not the high road. A lot of people talk. I mean, a lot of people take the high road to get high, you know. But uh, not that high suffering, road. But that's not that one. You know, we can, that goes actually with the other road. Yes. <laughs> you know, but, yes. but but we can we can choose to become stronger and closer to God, to closer to others. Yes. We can choose to learn everything we can out of every opportunity that we have, even the painful ones. Yes. Or we can choose to become an angry, bitter victim, which is basically, I think, where society pushes us. Oh, poor you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ever be able to tolerate that. How did you ever do that? Well, Everybody does that. Everybody loses people. Everybody has pain. Everybody, yeah. you know, it, life happens to every... I used to have a pastor, and he'd walk into church, and he'd say, hey, good morning. Has life happened to anybody this week? <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you had any life today? You know, because life is so full of pain and suffering, and and... It's also full of joy, but we haven't learned, I think, as a culture to embrace our pain and suffering as an opportunity for growth. I know, uh, and and to accommodate that, I mean, in order to enjoy the next chapter, because it really does come in spells. I mean, you yeah. know, we're going to have a lot of 
of of sometimes it comes, people say it comes in threes, and there are periods of life you think, really, really, <laughs> <laughs> this too, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think hills and valleys are inevitable. You can't have one without the other. Um, so to say you just want to have continued happiness <clears throat> negates the fact that a valley has to come in order for you to appreciate those hills. And suffering are, is in those valleys, but would you appreciate the hilltop if you never experienced the valley? And I was, I was always raised like sadness is inevitable, but I always felt like I didn't, I didn't have a choice of how to respond to the sadness like you were talking about. It's your response to things. I always was, was, I was to, led to believe that if something bad happens to you, your natural response is to be mad or sad. Like those were your exactly. choices. <laughs> and I am learning and have learned in order to suffer well that there are more options just because something bad happens to you or you experience something that is hurtful or painful or you're in a valley does not mean that you have to respond either mad or sad, nor do you have to stay in that valley. And I feel like we live in a culture that kind of, perpetuates this victimhood this, yes of yes. like something bad happened to you be sad something bad had happened to you you don't have to get out of the bed you don't have to continue living you can just stay at that point of your life and live there forever mentally emotionally physically you know I remember when because there have been times in my life I have not handled my pain well and uh, but one of those times that was interesting was an interesting observation when my children's father ran away with my best friend right after our son was born, I was devastated, mm -hmm. probably suicidal. Mm -hmm. I, was, I had two small children. It was a double whammy, and I was, just didn't know what to do. And this went on, and I became angry, mm -hmm. and I became bitter, and I became self-destructive. Mm -hmm. And I think I retaliated on every man around me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was, but but when I started feeling really better, it started to be okay. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing to me was that people seemed to act like I didn't care, mm. like it really wasn't that bad if you could be okay afterwards. Yeah, and I have people today because I've had a lot of different uh, pain and suffering er eras of my life, and. <laughs> And But today, I wouldn't even trade those because they were the times that I was taught more than any other time. Yeah. You come to the end of yourself, and you have to do something different. A crisis just means a crossroads. Yeah. It just means you can't go the straight. You have to go one way or the yep. other. Left or right, and yeah. So a crisis is just a crossroads. And so today, you know, I look at all of that, and I think I, they were such amazing learning opportunities, you know, along the way. Mm -hmm. And I love my life today. Yeah. And it's interesting on some of our social media, some of the replies will be, um, you obviously have never had any pain in your life. <laughs> you know, it's nice for a, 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 a white woman who never had any experiences, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, you know to, to, you don't know what it's like, yeah. you know, and... And there are very few human experiences I haven't had, actually. That is a very true statement. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet, you know, 
I choose not to live in, in, in that victim mentality. Absolutely. And and God has used every single thing that ever happened, you know, for my good and His purpose. And mm-hmm. and that is something I've come to truly trust. Is that I don't know what's going on here, but I do know that whatever it is may be useful to the next person. Yes. Indeed, indeed. I have a similar story with divorce. I mean, you and I have similar stories, which is kind of how we <laughs> became friends in the first place. That's how we got to this so Yeah. <laughs> but in going through my divorce in the past year, um, not being able to say, no, I'm, I'm okay, and not being able to say, I'm fine, and people t- responding like, are you sure you're okay? You can be honest with me. And I'm like... I am being honest because I have such a close relationship with Christ and I trust wholeheartedly, emphatically in his plan for my life. I know that that was part of my journey. Um, That isn't to say that I didn't have painful days where I was kind of like, well, Lord, why now? Why this? Why is this happening? Those type of things. But I do understand that everything that happens in my life is according to his plan and I trust his plan. I also know that it's for my growth. And like you said, it's for my good and his glory. But I do think that there is this culture of, like I was saying before, like, Certain situations, you have to be sad about them. If you're not sad about them or if you don't have a strong, deep emotional response that seems um, like a deep sadness, for lack of a better phrase, that people are tend to judge you Mm -hmm. um, and tend to act like something must be wrong with you if you don't have this strong negative response to suffering. And I think in suffering well, it means that you receive the hardship, you receive the trauma, you receive the pain as this is an opportunity for me to better myself. This is an opportunity for me to go to to the next level in my life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this um, very painful experience that you can't move on from. It is an opportunity to <clears throat> to grow, to reevaluate, to reflect, which are I think are all essential and even find joy in it. I mean, there has been moments through this past, it, it's been uh, two years since the separation and a year since the actual divorce that I've had sheer moments of joy. Um, and not because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm divorced. No, <laughs> um, but just more trusting God's plan for me, mm-hmm. trusting his plan for my life and trusting that this season was necessary for my own personal growth. And I'm, I mean, you and I have had serious trauma happen in both <laughs> of our lives that we can relate to. There are some for me that are still unresolved, but that doesn't mean that I can't choose joy in them. There are moments and things that have happened in my life where I'm like, I'm still wondering, like, God, what was that for? Um, and never, and I may not ever know that until the other side of glory. However, I don't. It could be blessing someone else, and I'm just not even aware of it. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, I, I, I felt like for a long time my my life was um, just scattered pieces of broken glass. Yes. And yes. there was a time when uh, I just thought that my life was just a lot of different pieces of broken glass. Mm-hmm. And when God called me to do Making Peace and Beyond— it was like everything came together in a stained glass window that he could shine his light through. Yeah. And 
the fruit of that ministry has been so big in terms of just there's nothing that happened in my life that he hasn't used in that ministry. And I think at, at this point, I'm just so grateful yeah. and humbled mm-hmm. and privileged <laughs> to be a part of watching what he can do in people's lives. And, you know, I, I think one of the big things that makes it hard to allow yourself to be authentically sad and authentically grieving and mm-hmm. authentically suffering is that other people become uncomfortable because they yes. don't know what to say. Yes. And then they say tacky things. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like really, but there is, in our pain and suffering, there is a place of sacred silence yeah. that only Jesus can fill that gap. Yeah. There's nothing to say. And sometimes the, I mean, God gave us the grieving process in order to integrate loss and adapt to change because that's what pain and suffering is about. Something that you've treasured, something that you valued has gone. Yeah. And there's an emptiness there. There's a space there. And that space is a Jesus hole, mm-hmm. you know, and there is that that thing, but we never learned how to be in that space with each other. And sometimes it's just about sitting there with somebody. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's providing a shoulder and a Kleenex. Sometimes it's willingness to talk about it. I had a friend who was dying, and one day she called me and she said, I'm dying, I'm scared to death, Uh and my family won't talk to me about it. Can I come over? (laughs) (laughs) And and it was, and, you know, at times, I mean, dying is a pretty big thing. You know, so if you're having to do it alone because nobody wants it to be true. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to talk to you about it, then you end up having to do it by yourself. Yeah, I think dying is an interesting experience. Um, while we all have the knowledge that it has to happen, there is just this deep shock when it does happen. <laughs> Until you get to be as old as me. And then it's not shocking anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I am now the matriarch of my family almost. I mean, everybody on either side of my family is now gone. And half of my friends are dead and, and are, are dying. And so there is there is a point in life when you really get it yeah. that it's temporary. Yes. Everything is temporary. Yes. Every, and I've learned in... in, in my old age, to be able to hold things much more lightly. Yes. You know, to, to realize everything's got to go. Yeah. Everything but the, but Jesus has got to go. That's the only thing that's going to walk out this door with us. Yeah. You know, and if and, you, like, truly study His Word, and He talks about seasons for things and understanding that everything has a season— mm-hmm. that I feel like it's easier to hold those spaces of, like, I'm going to lose this— and not necessarily sitting in it like I'm depressed, I can't enjoy it, but holding it loosely. I remember when I started my position at Grace, um, one of the pastors here, <clears throat> I was under his direction, and he he was like, Tisha, you're just holding your gifts so close, your fists are so tight, mm. um, and just learning how to hold everything loosely, because nothing belongs to us, whether it's your spouse, your children, your mom, a good friend, um, everything is for a season. God's word specifically says that I think that prepares, should prepare us to have the perspective of loss is inevitable, and having a um, a trusting perspective towards like, I'm going to enjoy this while I have it. 
it, live this day because it's yeah. all we have. You yes. know, there's there is a um, thing that I often will tell couples get ready to get married. The best thing you can remember is that one of you is going to bury the other. Mm. You are not each other's savior. But I think unless we know where our identity comes from, unless we know where our security comes from, yes. who gives us value, yes. who defines who we are, unless we know those things, then we're going to grasp at something on earth, whether it's, I want to get my identity through my children. I hate the, frankly hate the bumper sticker that says my child is an honor student, you know, but I just want to say my child is a kid. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, there's, so they're not little trophies that are going to yes. give you identification. Yes. Or, you know, people who totally, you know, just don't get it that, that even when you die, you're, I mean, one of the things that goes away is your understanding, your knowledge. Yes. So if you have a God of your own understanding, he's going to die. <laughs> yes. know? I mean, like, yeah. I tell the residents sometimes, I'm like, <laughs> if in your prayer time, God always agrees with you, then that's probably not God. <laughs> so you cannot have a God of your own understanding. You are not going to be in a great place if that's the case. <laughs> There's so many things that that we just, if, if we don't have an eternal perspective, and I I think when we talk about suffering well and suffering yeah. with grace and suffering, you know, going through those painful moments with confidence, it, it requires something bigger than our moment, yeah. bigger than our experience, bigger than what we know, and 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 that's where when we that's where we have to to really look at okay, what do I believe? Yeah. What gives me strength? Where, yeah. What's my source? Mm-hmm. What is my source? And if my friends, my children, my family, like we were talking about, are my job, my knowledge, whatever it is that is my source is not God, then it's fragile. Yeah. And if that's the perishable. thing you lose, very perishable. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> it's, it's. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree that if you don't have your identity in Christ, it's challenging to suffer well. Mm-hmm. And I think practically people kind of need to know what that looks like because— Theoretically, it sounds great to be like, oh, I'm just going to be happy when this happens to me. <laughs> no, no, this is not what it is. This is, I'm going to cry and I'm going to grovel. Yeah. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to do all of these human things, but I'm going to do those not with it being life-threatening. Yeah. Not not that this is all there is. It's yeah. like this hurts. Yeah. It's almost like going through surgery. When we go through life surgery, a part of us is get amputated. Yeah. You know, and it's going to hurt like a son of a gun the first, yeah. at first. But we have the knowledge that it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not the end of the story. That this is a, it's not the end of the game. Every play is at significant. Mm-hmm. Every chapter is at the end. And and so when we can suffer in that perspective, then we can reach out, we can hurt, we mm-hmm. can we can be with each other in our pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love having friends like you that I can hurt my life doesn't have to be okay and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean i don't have faith and yeah. i think sometimes in the church we sort of indicate well where's your faith mm-hmm. you know and my faith is right here and it's right strong but i am hurting like a son of a gun yeah. right now yeah. <laughs> you know i mean and so so i'm going to cry yeah. god gave me tears to remove the stress stuff he gave and he gave me laughter to heal mm-hmm. and so i'm going to use both of those things along the way yeah 
and and it doesn't mean that one's ruling over the other. Mm-hmm. It means that both are uh, are tools for living. Mm-hmm. You know that they're gifts from God to help us to get through times. Yeah. And when I can't do it on my own, I'm gonna call you up. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna say, "Ah, I need help," <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> I remember um, some days when I was like going through at the height of my divorce, at the very beginning, um, when everything was unveiled, and you know, and I, and I was like really having deep sadness. And you said to me, "You were like, this is okay to do it for a day." Um, and then you were like, but three days from now. <laughs> <laughs> Rise again, sister. Right. right. Um, and it, it actually didn't take me those three days. I, I think you helped me to lean into my sadness, um, embrace it, so I could get past it and heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think having a time limit on it helped me to realize that it can be a choice that it doesn't have to be this and it isn't it isn't i guess a, a, a bruise or an insult to my relationship with Christ to have that deep sadness no he wept yes Christ wept <laughs> yes. he asked for some another story he what he didn't particularly like a part of his script yeah <laughs> you know i mean yes. i think that we have to go into that and and say you know I think of it sometimes if if I have a toothache, mm-hmm. it hurts so bad, yeah, and it draws my attention to it, and it can become all there is. I can become one giant toothache and forget yes. that it's a very tiny part of the whole body. Yes, you know that yes. that I have more I have more than a tooth. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that. Sometimes we help each other to remember, you know, yes, you're going through a divorce. You're mm-hmm. going through a loss of this person, but that's not all there is. Yeah. You're so much more than that person. Yeah. It, it's like some people let their sorrow become their label. It's mm-hmm. the story that they tell every time they interact with someone, when they meet someone new, and then it just becomes a part of their identity. And I think through, during that season, you helped me for that not to be my story, um, a story of redemption, of um, rebuilding, restoration was more important to me than this is what happened to me and that that's all that is to me. And I feel like that's what's perpetuated in our society. Like if you are a fatherless child then you automatically have abandonment issues for the rest of your life. And that is your label. And that's the story you tell every time you interact with someone. I remember standing up in in professional training meetings when when I was, you know, as a counselor. I'd go to these conventions and and they'd talk about broken families. And I would stand up and say, I'm a single parent family. A lot of families that have two parents in the house are more broken than my family. Amen. (laughs) And it was... (laughs) was like, you know, do not call me broken because do not call my children broken. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is not okay with me. Those are those labels. And But we do have this assumption, and I think one of the things that I find is really important when you're going through pain and suffering, and I just say this very loudly— do not seek out advice from people who are going to join you in your anger yes. and in your bitterness. Yes. You know, I have someone really close to me in my life who, to this day, my children's father left 50-some years ago, 55 mm-hmm. years ago, 
almost. And to this day, the mention of his name, that person will just say, that's a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I forgave that man a long time ago. Yes. You know, and, you know, I, <laughs> I said, you know, today I'm actually pretty grateful to my friend. Somebody said she was your best friend, and I said, well, actually she was. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad God didn't make me live with him the rest of my life. But <laughs> I told somebody the other day, and it didn't fare too well for him because he's dead, <laughs> and she <Yeah>. is too. <laughs> I mean, for me, I feel but, sadness for yeah. the other person. Like I, I had yeah. the same interaction where somebody was like, aren't you mad? Aren't you angry? I was like, no, I feel sad for the whole situation. And my prayer is that um, that person will restore themselves to Christ mm-hmm. and that um, healing will happen. But I don't, I'm like, I like yeah. you don't feel that anger when you make a choice to yeah. suffer well. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, sometimes the first prayer is God chop them into little pieces. <laughs> and then the next prayer is, Lord, help me want to want to pray for that person. Yes. Lord, help me want to pray for that yes. person. Lord, I'm praying for that person, but don't make them happy. <laughs> you know, and then, then it's, Lord, give them your peace like you've given it to me. Yeah. But it takes a minute to get to there. We don't just jump in and say, oh, gee, I'm so glad you did this to me. Yeah. You know, we have, there is a point at which we have to have to heal from that yeah and i think it's it, it's 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 neither we live in such a kick it to the curb culture you know oh my gosh yes i i just tell people restoration we have a god of mercy and grace and forgiveness and healing and restoration and there is there's so many times that things are not necessary mm-hmm. to, I, I mean especially if there's children involved. It's so important to say, okay, you know, we have a vested interest in cooperation. Yeah. Not in hating each other. Yes. You know, and yes. and that is that is such a uh, an unusual idea in mm-hmm. the world that we live in because we're such a good victim society. Oh yeah. I mean it is and and we tend to medicate pain. I wanted to just to say that because people who know me well know that this is a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. You know if I take away your feelings, mm-hmm. if I don't allow the grief process to happen, mm-hmm. then you're not going to heal. Mm-hmm. You're going to move on, but that part of you is going to still be stuck, and it's going to come out in other areas of your life. So just because you leave a person doesn't mean that you've healed from that. Yeah. You know, and... So there's a there's a real need to to avoid medication as long as you can get out of bed <laughs> and, and and not to not to try to mask the pain yeah. with drugs or alcohol or prescription drugs or you know and like I say life is not a mental illness life is gonna hurt it's yeah. gonna have pain and suffering in it but it is not a mental illness and God gave us our emotions. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to take those away? And Jesus uh, had them all. Yes, yes. I, w- I wanted to talk about that a little bit, how Christ suffered well. You don't hear him on his journey talk complaining about what he's going through. You don't hear him using it as like um, a badge or a label or carrying Excuse. Right. He just 
lives it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's got people chasing him. He's got people <laughs> ridiculing him. He's got mobs of people following him around, <laughs> questioning everything he says. Like Can't get away. Can't have no rest. Right? <laughs> we can't even imagine that. And we're complaining like, oh, it's raining today. And you know what I mean? We complain about the most simple things um, where we don't, we aren't suffering well. And, I mean, to to make a comparison of like Christ suffering, are we even suffering at all? Like, I don't want to negate <laughs> people's pain and their hurt, but like when you talk about suffering, <laughs> I, you know, one of the sort of things that I do with myself is when I get into my own wine, and wine is like anger coming through a small <laughs> hole. You know, I mean, a, a wine is is, but when I get into my own wine, I have this thing that I do of of taking my of imaging myself at the bottom of the cross with Christ still on mm. it, and mm-hmm. and and hearing Him say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what, what they, they do." do. Yes, and I and then my wine seems really ridiculous because it's usually not half as bad as his wine could have been. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's always not as bad as his wine could have been. Yes, but I did be able to say. To, to say, I'm one of the people that he forgave. Yes. You yeah. know, I'm one of the thems. Yeah. Who am I yeah. to not forgive? Who am I to hold on to my little, little wine when you went through all of this? Yeah. You know, and for me, it just, it helps me to get over myself. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> because when I first came into recovery, because I've been in recovery, you know, 45 years, but I remember people saying, you can't afford self-pity. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, you know, right it's now, costly. self-pity will take you down. Yeah. And it will to all of us, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, the human condition could be pitiable. Yeah. I mean, for everybody. Yes. I mean, there's nobody that's going to get out of here without... Unscathed. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It hurts. Yes. <laughs> but it's also the greatest joy. And when we learn to accommodate both... Mm-hmm. Then we can just life is worth it. Yeah, you know, and I think the hardest thing of in all of life is to keep your heart soft. Yes, you yeah. know because because it's so easy to let your heart get hard, mm-hmm. and yeah. and to become what you hate, mm-hmm. which is the other thing that happens. You become what you hate. Yeah. So if you yell at me, my first inclination because of my silly little mirror neurons is to <laughs> yell back at you. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I give control to the people who have hurt me the most yeah. by doing that. Yeah. And and to, to be able to forgive and move on and is such a gift. Yeah, I agree. And I, I feel like it's it's part of the healing process. I also think sometimes people work really hard and spend a lot of energy on trying to avoid pain and suffering. Good point. Good point. <laughs> like to the point that they will build themselves a little invisible house and isolate themselves <laughs> and um, and not experience life. And then I always like think about all of the things that you miss out when you try to avoid pain and suffering. I mean, think about like mm. your first stage of life. Would you have learned to walk if you were avoiding pain and suffering? Because it is hard to walk. It is. And you fall and <laughs> you get bumps and bruises. <laughs> Riding a bike, driving a car, like all of those things that we do to progress in life. If you just started at that point of life and decided, I'm going to avoid all pain and suffering, look of all of the things you would have missed out on. it. So to make it later in life, yeah, you're even missing out 
on things as well. I couldn't imagine making that choice. I remember when I separated uh, from my children's father, I said to somebody one day in the midst of my pain, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that again. Mm. And they just said, you'll never love again. Then. Yeah, yeah. If you never open yourself up for hurt, you will mm. never open yourself mm-hmm. up for love. Yeah. Because love and suffering go hand it's in hand. hand. The passion do. of Christ is the suffering of Christ. Yes. You know? and, and so you're not going to ever have a loving relationship that does not also involve pain and disappointment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that does not mean it's not worth it. Yeah. And I mean, relationships are hard, period. They just are. You have two crazy human beings, (laughs) and we're all crazy. (laughs) Coming from two different backgrounds. Two different perspectives on life, two different belief systems. Even if you're both um, Christ believers, your relationship could be different and look different, and that could also be um, a conflict within the two of you. So I, I just think like you just have to be like you said, open. And I think you have to have the perspective that like love and suffering go hand in hand. It just does. You you can't love the great parts of somebody and then say, well, I don't really, I hate the, the bad parts. It's it's funny. There's, there's this idea that we are we suffer more than anybody else. My pain is worse than your pain ever was, you know, and we call it terminal uniqueness. I love that. <laughs> I'm terminally unique. You know, it's gonna be, you know, you know understand. You never understand how bad I hurt. Yeah. And and that is such a myth. Well, I feel like a little bit of that is true because how someone experienced pain we all experience pain mm. differently. So there are varyings um to say like one person is suffering more than the other. I don't know about that, but I do feel like there can be a perspective of of pain where it's like, well, your pain may be the same as mine, but I may be feeling it deeper. You may be feeling it dip- deeper. But just because there are varying perspectives of pain, I feel like a little bit of that can be true, but not in the sense of like, you hurt me deeper than, I, than I've ever hurt you. Well, you don't know that. No. <laughs> and and usually at the end of a life, if you if you put it on a scale, everybody would have had some really bad pain and some really, really okay. yeah. yeah. And the, yep. the perspectives may be different in different points of that. Yeah. But you're still going to have, you know, a life that's going to have hills and valleys. Yes. And somebody said one time, I think it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who did a lot of the first grief stuff. Said, you know, if, if you live a life that has one more hill than it does valley, you probably lived a successful life. Yes. <laughs> you know, so- that true. is probably true. That's so yeah. true. So but I they're both necessary. They're necessary. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. Thank you. you Thank know, you for having me. In so many me. different ways. I so enjoy your company <laughs> in so many different ways. And so... Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And if you liked what you heard today, please tune in to the rest of our social media as well. We have other podcasts. We have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have TikTok, a website that has videos. And please, uh, if you like what we do, comment on it. Give us some feedback. We just want to talk about things that, that happen in life. So, again, thank you, Tisha. And God bless you.